Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor and I am joined here with my fantastic co-host Tara Lee Weathers. Hello everybody. <laughs> Hi Tara Lee. Hi. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here and I'm going to guide you all in a little breathing exercise so you can be the most present for listening to our podcast and diving into everything that the amazing Ezra Lip has to say. So if it is available to you, put your hands on your heart and close your eyes and take a deep breath in and exhale out your mouth and a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth and a deep breath in through your nose and exhale out your mouth and may the next hour of your life be the most amazing ever. And so it is. And so it is. Yeah. So today we have the pleasure of interviewing Ezra Lip, who is a drummer and an educator, a composer. He also has his own podcast called The Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. So check that out if you want more of Ezra and him talking to some amazing musical guests as well. So Ezra has lots of different hats. He's also an amazing videographer, I guess you could say. Like, he's just so creative. And that will definitely come through in this podcast. But if you have the ability to search any of his little videos, they are hilariously funny, at least in my opinion. I don't like humor where like people are getting hurt or anybody's laughing at other people. So the way that Ezra does humor is like really aligned to the way that makes me laugh. So he's pretty funny as well. Can you tell us a little more about that? <laughs> well, so so Ezra had a band called Magic and the Other, which we talk a lot about in this podcast. And they are currently, uh, well, you'll hear Ezra tell the whole trajectory of from the idea of putting together the band and to where they are right now. But he would do these videos that would be like promos, you know, to to get people interested in coming to the show. And they would just be hilarious. And he'd be like out on his farm. And there's one where he's like mowing the grass and like his mom is calling or, you know, he's like cooking some eggs. He's like just doing all of these like random household things and and trying to get people to come to the show. <laughs> and there was one where there was like a busy weekend of a lot of things happening. And he's like calling people to see whether they would come to the show or not. <laughs> Everybody's giving him excuses. <laughs> and I'm like, and this one person kept giving him excuses. And the, at the end, you find out that it's his mom. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so, it's just like funny things like that. Uh, but I found them very hysterical. And it made me want to go and support him and go to the show. So I was a big supporter of Magic and the Other. That's amazing. Wow. He really can do everything. Like he's a comedian. He now knows like audio <laughs> engineering. He's a songwriter. He plays music. Like he does everything. Videos. Yeah, absolutely. And he talks a lot about all of those, well, most of those things 
in this podcast. And some of these things he didn't actually even know that he could do until he decided to give it a try. And I love stories like that because I find them so inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Where it's like, I mean, that's so brave to like not know how to do something, but then be like, well, I'm going to try it anyway. And especially as an adult, like, I mean, when you're a kid, everything is new. So you're like constantly learning new things and it doesn't matter if you're great at it. But as an adult, it's like, it's really hard for people to not be good at something that they're doing because you kind of stick to the things that you're good at (laughs) as you get older. So it's, it's a really, that's such a cool thing that he's like able to still like dive into that and try new things and see if he's good at it. Yep. Yeah, it's true. That takes a lot of courage. And that's why I think it's so inspiring. It's like when we can hear that other people are doing it, then I think it allows us like a little bit of courage to be able to do it ourselves. Yeah. So whether you know Ezra Lip and his music from playing all over the Bay Area as a drummer with lots of different people or his band Magic and the Other or his work with ALO because he's now the drummer for ALO and he talks about that too. You are going to learn something new. I feel like wherever you fall on the spectrum of knowledge of Ezra Lip. Yeah. If you weren't a fan before, you're going to be a fan now. (laughs) For sure. And he also throws down this huge truth bomb at the end of our interview, which I talk about in the Did You Know section. And then Tara Lee follows it up for something that you can do in the Daily Jam. And we're looking forward to having him back so that we can continue that conversation too. Yes, wonderful. So you have to stay and listen to the whole thing. And then you have to keep on listening for when we do part two with Ezra, (laughs) which we don't know when that is yet. So you'll have to keep on paying attention to us. That's right. And he also he has a new solo album that's going to be coming out sometime in the beginning of the year. And he talks about that, too. Cool. I'm excited. Let's get to the interview. What do you say? All right, let's do it. Cool. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And here we have Ezra with us. Welcome, Ezra. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Tara Lee. Thanks for having me. Yes. So excited to have you on. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long and I used to see you so often. Well, it's been a weird year. (laughs) You know, there hasn't been as many opportunities, but starting to happen more frequently now. It has. Yeah. I've been, been noticing you playing out a good amount recently. What has mm-hmm. that been like? It's been great. I love doing that. So it's been wonderful. And we're really fortunate to be in California where we can pretty much play shows year round. You know, I was thinking about the shows. Well, you, I don't think you were there actually, but the Arinda shows it. with ALO at the Bruns in June. Mm-hmm. It was really cold at night. Like we were all mm-hmm. in winter jackets and not Vermont cold, but you know, California <laughs> cold. And, uh, you know, I had some scarves and, and I was like, you know, we could totally do this in December and it would be the same weather. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, and that was when? That was June. Ju- June. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's really, you know, after a certain coldness, it's really pretty tolerable. Mm-hmm. How has your inner world within yourself shifted from when everything was shut down to now? Well, a lot did shift for me this past year and a half. And some of it was challenging. I mean, I'll start off saying like, 
myself and my family were we have endless blessings. So any challenge that I acknowledge or hardship, I'll just put that in the framework of we really have it so good. So there really isn't anything to complain about. I mean, we have our health. My wife got to keep her job. And for most of it, we lived on a beautiful farm and our son got to still play with like a small group of kids for a lot of it. And, you know, we ended up buying a house during this time, you know, so there was a lot of blessings that happened. With that said, there were a lot of challenges for me and just like disruption of routine. But then also like I did a lot of things that I might not have done if it weren't for the quarantine and pandemic. I wrote and recorded and like my first solo album, which I'm currently in the post-production stages of mixing. I And I, I learned how to do all that, which I didn't really have much experience. I did study to learn how to be a mastering engineer. So I'm doing that now. So there was a lot of creativity for me that came out of it. But there was a lot of chaos and confusion and anxiety and hard days dealing with child care is, you know, a challenge and not playing live. And, you know, I mean, there was everyone's life was pretty disrupted. But ultimately, I feel like I had it really good and definitely like tried to put a creative spin on the time. Does that, does that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. Bit? Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear about your solo album, but I'd also like to ask you about some of your other projects because you do a lot of things, Ezra. I do. Yeah. And some listeners may not know this, but you are incredibly talented and creative in so many ways. Like you play with ALO, which I would love to talk to you about that because you started play, drumming for them in 2018, 19? Yep. 18. Yep. 18. Okay. And you came into a very established band. I mean, you know, Zach and Lebo and Steve have been playing together since middle school. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would love to ask you about that. But also you had Magic and the Other going on at that time as well, which was a band that you created of your own. And I love the intention behind Magic and the Other and the story behind it. That's kind of like how I found out about you. It just really grabbed my attention when I read I don't even know where it was, but just read about, first of all, your theory behind the name, and then also how it was like, okay, I've been playing with all of these people for so long and like looking for this thing, and I know what I want, and I know how to create it, and I'm just going to do it. So can you can you tell our listeners a little bit, first of all, about the theory or whatever it is behind the name Magic and the Other, and then also how you just kind of decided to create that band, which actually, and then just tell us a little bit about what's going on now with Magic and the Other. So story behind the name is basically just like the idea that the most magical, unexpected, unpredictable moments that occur in life and in different events or often come out of things you can't predict. For instance, at if you're seeing a show, perhaps the most memorable moment of the night comes when something, you know, I don't know, there's a thunderstorm or like somebody makes a mistake and it goes to a totally different direction or something happens in the crowd that changes the energy. Basically, the moments that you can't really predict and you can't, I feel like you can only invite the openness to it. You can structure it where you're saying, if such an event were to happen, I could be open to it. I can receive it and respond to it appropriately and ride that moment and turn it into a magical thing but you can't necessarily plan for it. So the idea was 
with magic in the other is like there's magic found in those moments and we could get dressed up in suits and we can rehearse and we can be the best band we can be. But ultimately, there are things that are going to happen that make the show or just the music or just life in general, like super special that you can't always pre-plan. And I really like that concept. So that's kind of the intention behind the band name. Yeah, the story of starting the band, I think you captured it pretty well. Basically, you know, I've been playing drums in bands professionally for basically since moving to the Bay Area from Vermont and Massachusetts, where I grew up before that in 2006 and played in lots of bands. And but around 2015, 20, around 2016 or so, I I just remember feeling like a little bit of a musical or just creative funk, I guess you'd say just a little low point because yeah, for a long time, I, I wanted to be part of a certain sort of band that I could be creatively integral to, that I could grow with, that I could evolve with, I could really find a voice to be expressive with. And although I played with lots of wonderful people and had a lot of great experiences and opportunities, I was mainly just doing gigs as like a side man and a hired drummer. Not that I wasn't in any bands prior to that, but hadn't really found the band that would satisfy my soul in the way that I wanted to. And for a long time, I always thought I needed to look outside myself. I always thought I needed to find a musical partner or partners that could write the kind of music that I would want to and have that kind of relationship that I can be in a band with. And it hadn't occurred and it just hadn't occurred to me until a series of conversations I had with someone around 2016 that I could actually just try to do it myself. It was very much like a, a light bulb goes off moment. It was kind of like, oh, wait, I don't actually have to wait for someone to fulfill this need in me. I might not do it, but I could like attempt it myself. So I was like, well, I should just start a band. And then I called up Steve Adams, you know, my friend at the time. This is before I was playing in ALO. And an old friend, Roger Riedelbauer, a guitarist that I had played with in different projects prior to that. And I don't know, I just asked if they wanted to do a gig. It wasn't like, do you want to start a band? It was like, I have this show booked. I have a name. I'd like to have a band, but do you just want to do this one gig? And, and they said, yeah. And I, they had never met, interestingly. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to do a gig, I don't want to just play covers. So I better write some music <laughs> to play with a band. So I started writing some pieces and quickly I was like, actually, wow, I, I can actually do this. Like I can actually write some music that I'd want to play with a band. And the initial batch of Magic and the other songs, which a lot can be heard on our first record, the record's about half instrumental and half songs, vocal tunes. And my initial batch was all instrumental. I, I didn't think of myself as necessarily a lyricist or, or lead singer for that band. And that was cool. But then as the music evolved and the band evolved and we kept on playing gigs, I started writing vocal tunes. And then that quickly kind of became more of my focus. I was like, wow, actually, I can I have stuff to say with lyrics, too, and more song based stuff. So it was all and actually I could practice singing more and, and be a better lead singer and be a, lead, a front guy and front person. And it all was very surprising. It really unfolded organically and in a really pleasant way. And then it definitely like was really fulfilling in a way that I had been hoping it would be and has really like broadened my sense of what I do as an artist. You know, I went from being like, I just thought I would be like a creative drummer and supportive player to, oh, actually I could, I can lead a band. I can write my own songs. I can write my own lyrics. I can front a band. I can sing. So yeah, it was cool 
discovering that along the way. And we had some really supportive fans such as yourself, Leah. And that was like really and grew a little community around it. And it was really cool to see all that evolve in real time. I love how you work. You're just like, I'm going to start a band. Oh, yeah, I should probably learn how to like (laughs) write songs for that (laughs) and do this thing. And then even for your solo album, you're like, oh, I guess I should learn how to mix and master it. And then you're like, learning how to do that. And it's so cool how you just say yes to something and then figure it out later, which also sounds like the premise of your band too, Mm -hmm. is like, I'm going to play music and see what happens. It's how you live your whole life. So it makes so much sense. Totally. Yeah. It's a great observation. It's just kind of improvising as I go. I certainly wouldn't have guessed that even prior to the pandemic that in a year or so I would like, yeah, do that whole route in in engineering and mixing and mastering. And I think all of us live our lives. Life can be like that, where you can kind of see the adjacent possibilities to uh, something and, and kind of just go for it and learn along the way. And a lot of it's confronting problems and trying to figure out how to solve them, (laughs) you know, creatively. Yeah. Can you describe a moment when you experience like what your band is about of that magic moment that you don't know that's going to happen? Can you explain when you've experienced one of those, whether you were playing or as somebody in an audience? Yeah, sure. That's a that's a great question. Let me think about that. Well, let let me think about that. Can you though? Can I share one? Can you think of any? Yeah, because I bet you can have any some a moment. Yeah, like that. there was actually one really recently at um, Higher Ground in Burlington opened an outside venue called Backside during the pandemic for people to have music outside and where you can support the like smaller bands. And there's two local musicians here, Dwight and Nicole, and they had a show and they're really amazing and we got to curfew time and it's very strict to like 10 p.m. They'll get a fine if we go past it. So they played their last song, but they really wanted to play another one. So Nicole was like, well, I'm just going to sit on the front of the stage and we're going to sing a song quietly from up here. And everyone gathered up to the front and sat down. And it was just this like magical moment where I was like, and there were so many musicians at the show that just love this band too. So it was like the music community all came together, the fans, the musicians, all the people and just sat and watched and listened and participated in this beautiful moment that wouldn't have happened if there wasn't that like very strict curfew. That's great. I thought of two, actually. The first one, it happened just this summer with ALO, where we were playing this amphitheater in Arinda, beautiful amphitheater. And the second night, during the second set, the basically, we were in the middle of the first song, we were jamming, and then the power and the venue all shut out, at least all the stage lost power. And, you know, but instead of like taking a break until the technical difficulties were sorted out, basically, Zach grabbed his accordion and Steve grabbed his acoustic bass and Lebo had his acoustic guitar. And like, I just kind of crowded with them in the front of the stage. And we just did an acoustic medley uh, with no amplifications in this venue and with the crowd singing along and everything. And like, you know, I know some people that was like their favorite part of the night. So you know, that's that's an example of that. Couldn't have predicted it, wouldn't have planned for it, but still created something special. Another moment that I thought of was actually with Magic and the Other at, we put on this little music festival in at the farm I used to live on in Sonoma County uh, in 2019 called um, Mytopia. And we were playing in this barn and the 
backdrop to the band was basically like walls to the barn, except for there was like a cutout in the center of just one part of the barn that was right behind the stage. So there were walls on back and behind us, but then there was like basically like a, if you picture like a, a human's a life-size picture frame of a cutout that looked out into like an open field behind us. And we were playing the song Light in My Window and, and Leah was there. So maybe she can speak at that moment too. But, um, and it was like this transitional part in the song where it kind of goes from this like, indie psych rock vibe to a more open beautiful uh vibe and and it's like a really i know a lot of people appreciate that part of the song and and we had a lot of special guests that had played earlier that day that were coming up to sing with us during that song during that part of the song so it was like the music kind of dies down and then it just cuts to just guitar and the the song kind of resets and then our special guests started to come on stage and everyone started going wild. And I didn't really understand why. I was like, wow, I guess like they're really We were excited. howling. <laughs> yeah, everyone was howling. And and I was like, I, I guess they really are excited to hear these singers John sing Craigie. this part of the song. With, yeah, John oh, Craigie was coming up. Yeah, I love John Craigie too, yeah. And it was really special. And then it wasn't until... <laughs> I was like, well, that's cool. They really, you know, were excited about that. But then it wasn't until after the show when people told me about it and then seeing it on, you could see it on YouTube, actually. Right at that moment, over the hills that were looking behind us, the moon started to rise. Like, and it just started peeking out right at that moment. And that's actually, as far as I can tell, what everyone was howling about. <laughs> and it just made it really special and magical. And, and I didn't even know what was going on at the time. So that's an example of that, too. Yes. When you started talking about that, I like my eyes yeah, got teary. I saw the emotion. I was like, Leah was definitely there and had a like <laughs> peak musical experience in that moment. I really did. Like I almost didn't go to that festival. I love you, I Ezra. And like, I just, I was so busy and, you know, it was a drive and I was bringing Elliot, but I finished my work and I was like, no, I need to be here. But that moment solidified why I needed to be there because it was so powerful. I love that song so much. And that is definitely my favorite part of that song. And I had been waiting for the full moon to rise all night because I knew it was coming up right there. And that was the last song that you guys played. So it was yeah. like, if it didn't happen then, it wouldn't have happened during your show. And it was just so perfect. And everybody was howling. And I, I had a feeling you guys didn't know what was going on because you couldn't see it. You know, it yeah, was behind yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it was behind us, yeah. But it, it was definitely a peak musical experience. And I just looked around and, you know, some of my favorite friends were there and, and to have you guys there and like just the intention that you put behind everything that you do is so sweet and so beautiful. And it was such a beautiful festival. And it was just like, the highlight of everything. It was just like psh, this whole culmination of just the bliss of everything that reminds you of why we do the things that we do. And it was, it was really awesome. Nice. Yeah. So glad you got to experience that. It's, yeah. yeah that thanks was, for bringing that back a, up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing me great. into it and everybody, everybody yeah. who's listening too. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I could just like groove on that feeling for a really long time, but <laughs> Thanks for asking that, Tara Lee. I love that. Yeah, good question. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. I knew when I was explaining it, I was like, I should probably have some examples on hand. But <laughs> uh, no, see, because then you went, you did one of the things because you didn't have an yeah. example. Right, I didn't exactly. And then all the magic yeah. happened. 
<laughs> yep. So let's talk about where Magic and the Other is right now, Ezra, because, you know, as far as I know, you guys aren't really a band anymore. What's the official word on that? Yeah, I think officially that's, you know, I mean, we're not an active band in the moment. It's not to say, so basically what happened was be, a little before COVID, around the beginning of 2020, Roger said that he was likely moving to San Diego with his family um, in the summer. And and then, you know, and then COVID hit and all our gigs, our, you know, gigs we had on the calendar were canceled and everything was up in the air. And, you know, so it was a little bit of a anticlimactic, you know, we didn't really get to have a farewell at all. And we, and, and actually I couldn't even, we kind of had to sit with that news for a while because of particular things with, with Roger's family that, you know, weren't ready to be public and yet for various reasons. And so it wasn't until a while later that I even, you know, officially announced that we weren't going to be playing. And yeah, you know, it's, it's sad. Um, it was a really, it was, it's a loss. Roger was such a, uh, you know, he's such a great musician and such a great person. And the three of us had a really great chemistry and but things, not all bands come and go. And it's not to say we won't ever play again, you know, the three of us, but the kind of thing we were doing where I was, I was putting like a ton of energy into the band and promoting and trying to book and write. And, you know, kind of had just put out a new EP and all this stuff. And that was kind of all upended. And so I think the energy that I put into that band, I, I will, for at least for the time being, I mean, we'll, we'll see what life brings, but I, I'll, I think when, when I'm ready to release this album, I'll, I'm hoping to form another band and probably just have it under my name because, you know, honestly, like I, it's, it'll be way easier. I won't have to ever rebrand again, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> I'll always have my name, but mm-hmm. you know, if I call it something specific, you know, and, and maybe that'll lead to another band that isn't necessarily all about you know, just my music or, or not, but, but yeah, so sadly magic and the other is kind of like not really functioning unit at this time. And Roger is, you know, in San Diego and, and because it was just a trio, it would be hard to just like find another guitarist because he was such an integral part of the sound. Yeah. But uh, I'm hoping to continue with that spirit and that energy, um, moving forward and other projects of mine. So it won't be the same, but it'll be something else. And hopefully people will resonate with it and yeah well you have a lot of loyal fans out there so i'm really appreciative of that yeah it's really cool to see and you know there's such a strong bay area music community and it's i'm just wonder really lucky to have kind of been a part of that for the last uh mm-hmm. eight years or so so yeah we'll just keep all doing it where we can and and see see what happens yeah. Well, speaking of like improvising and going with the flow, I'm curious about Leah's curiosity from earlier of what it was like to hop into ALO, a band that's already been established and be like, hey, I'm here and I'm playing drums. Yeah. And especially loyal fans, too, because ALO has some loyal fans as well. Totally. ALO is a ton of loyal fans. It's it's um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it there it was... Um, Ultimately, I think it was like as smooth as it could have gone. I mean, I had a relationship with, you know, I'd been playing with Lebo for years, playing with Steve for years. And then I had even done some stuff. You know, I didn't, I obviously knew Zach 
and but he lives in Santa Barbara, so I didn't get to know him or play with him as much as the other guys. But I had even there were various instances where I'd sat in and played percussion with ALO at different shows when opening for them or otherwise being a guest. And so I was already in that community loosely and, uh, you know, had a relationship and it, it was a little, I mean, in some ways it was very natural. In some ways it was a little weird just because there was a lot of confusion with my role in the band because I started just filling in for a tour for Dave Brogan, who had been in the band for like 15 years plus pretty sure and is an amazing drummer and great guy and you know and well well loved by all of ALO's fans so it was kind of big shoes to fill but then over the next year and a half or so I just kept on doing pretty much every gig with them and it was just a little ambiguous I think everyone was just trying to sort out like what this transition means for the band and Am I subbing? Am I in the band? Am I, is Dave Brogan still in the band? Is he coming back? And it just, there, it was a long relationship to try to navigate. And I think the fans might have had an experience of it too. And not sure exactly what that was like. But, but anyway, basically everyone was very welcoming as far as ALO's fans from the, from the get go. And I remember particularly feeling, uh, you know, and, and now I'll, I'll say fast forward, I, I'm, for the last year or two, I've been acknowledged as an official member of the band and we're, you know, likely going to be making a new record coming up this fall. And, and, uh, you know, and I'm very much feel like an equal member, um, of the band and we're playing some of my songs. So it's, it's a really good feeling. And, but, but I do remember there was a really wonderful moment, the second tour de more, I believe that I did with ALO and which is like their annual winter tour in 2019 where they had the band had made these shirts for each member of the band with like their silhouette and like a quote of a song lyric and they hadn't made one for me because it was like wasn't clear I was in the band and they hadn't made one for Brogan either because it wasn't clear that he was still in the band so they just had three you know but basically um at this these Fillmore shows the um uh, a core of shapeshifters is this loyal alo fan base i'm not i'm not sure exactly who was responsible for getting the getting the going leah you might know but anyway they had made a shirt with my face (laughs) and one of my lyrics from the song light in my window we were referring to earlier and you know a whole group of 30 people or so were all grouped together at the Fillmore wearing my shirt and it was it was a very you know welcoming feeling and i think that was maybe like when i really felt fully accepted into the ALO community. Not that I ever didn't, but it, or had a sense that maybe this was going to be more than just a a short trip with the band. So it was a really good feeling. So, and, and it's been pretty natural, you know, I mean, I've gotten really developed friendships with everyone of, you know, Zach and I are just as close as as any of the guys. And it's a very, um, it's a really wonderful, it's probably the most positive you know, aside from Magic and the Other, which was also really positive, but it's it's just really such a nice group of of guys and and our whole team and Jenna and Josh and everyone is just such a it's a really it's a treat to be in such a wonderful organization and to have to get to ha- have that you know history of twenty thirty years with fans and these songs. It's it's cool to to inherit all that and to continue to evolve it into its current chapters. Yeah. 
that Fillmore show is really great. And I remember, I don't know if it was the exact moment that you noticed the shirts, but I, I remember the smile on your face because um, we were all in the front and you were, it, you seemed pretty appreciative of it. And yeah, it was like, uh, I, I mean, the idea came after the Chico show because I think that was maybe the first maybe there was a Northern show that happened before that, but that was the first show that I was at and with Krista and Matt and Jen and Manuel were there and Wendy and those shirts came out and we were like, where's Ezra's shirt? (laughs) There's no Ezra shirt. And so at the end of that show, like on the floor in Chico, we were all like, we need to make an Ezra shirt. And Jen and Manuel and, Alan, I think, helped put the image together. I don't know. Anyway, they they made it happen. And it all came together pretty quickly, like within a couple of weeks. And we we were ready at the Fillmore. We passed the shirts out. Everybody had pre-ordered. It was like, you know, it just all came together. We got to show our appreciation to you because there it was very ambiguous for a long time. And us as fans were like, what the hell is going on? You know, like, is Ezra part of the band or is Brogan coming back? Like, let's just, let's, let's find out about this. Like, we would like to know. We're, we're totally fine either way, but it would just be nice to know. And then it just became clear that there might not ever be an official announcement, but, (laughs) you know, we felt like you were, you were part of the band now. And we really wanted to show you that we accepted you as part of the band. So that was kind of like our, our, we love you, Ezra. And thanks for being part of ALO. The message was received and very much appreciated. So thank you to all that made that happen. And yeah, it was really sweet. And there was, you know, eventually there was an official answer. It just took some time as things tend to. Yeah. 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 And you're right. I mean, it was a a really long relationship with Brogan. So, you know, that that makes sense. Things are complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But but, you know, and and I will just say, just for the record, like, everyone is all cool with each other. There was there, as far as I'm aware of, there's no animosity. And, you know, a couple summers ago, you know, we Brogan played with the four of, you know, we had the five of us all played at a festival together and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's you know relationships are all positive so Mm -hmm. it's just what made sense for everyone's life to right to do yeah things which is which is rare and really fortunate yeah yeah well Ezra tell us a little bit about what to expect on your solo album okay well it's all songs that I wrote during the start of quarantine they're all pretty much lyric-based songs, you know, as opposed to instrumental. I play a lot on it, but I did get, like, a lot of help from friends, special guests, like, mostly doing remote sessions. Steve Adams plays bass on most of the tracks. Reed Mathis, one of my favorites, uh, plays on a few. Yeah, Reed's great. Good friend. And Lebo plays on a tune. Stu Allen plays on some... Scott Law, there's the Rainbow Girls sing back up on some. My friends Kelly McFarling sings on some. Um, Andrew Brennan, another good friend. I, another guitarist that lived on the farm with me, who's not necessarily like a professional guitarist, but was just a fun person to collaborate with during that time. My friend Alex Gilman is on some of it. And Lorenzo from the Honey Drops plays some keys and OJP McLean is on it. So there's like a bunch of special guests and it's that sounds like a lot, but it's still very much thematically. It's I think it still feels like 
my material. And it's a fun album. You know, there's lots of lyrically, it deals with a lot of things like politically what's happening and you know but i i always kind of frame all that in some ways through like a greater my own sort of spiritual lens of how it all is going for us humans these days and and yeah i don't know uh, i i'm still kind of like putting you know it's still i'm still learning about how it's going to all come together as i'm mixing it i haven't even like you know listened to it as a whole piece that many times cuz i'm still trying to get each song to where it needs to be, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a cool record. And as much as I can describe music, I think, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, it's hard to to describe it, but I think it'll be, I'm hoping people will enjoy it. I think I'll enjoy it and yeah, look out for it. Probably it's gone on longer than I've wanted for various reasons, but probably at this point, I'm thinking early next year, realistically, it's going to be out early 2022, but I'll probably drop some singles before then. Nice. Well, something to yeah. look forward to, and we'll let our listeners know when that happens. Yeah. Oh, I just realized Jordan Feinstein also plays on it. I would be feel really bad if I named everyone but him. <laughs> I, I think that's everyone. And I'm sorry if I left anyone else out. Yeah, having all those amazing people play on your album seems like just a testament of the kind of human you are that you know everyone's just like, yes, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm super grateful and lucky to have such a talented community at my at my disposal. Not disposal, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have access to. And, you know, and it was really interesting doing it during the pandemic. Like, it was definitely like, you know, kind of those magic and the other moments where, for instance, like when I went to... Oh, okay. Here's another. When I went to record the Rainbow Girls and also um, Jeremy Lyon, also aka King Dream, was on that session too. And he sings some stuff on it. You know, I went to their house because they don't live too far from where I used to live. And, you know, it was during the pandemic. So they were inside their house and I, we basically ran wires and I sat on their front porch and engineered because just to be safe, we didn't want to be in the same space. And, uh, you know, so like, you know, kind of like moments like that recording where like in in normal circumstances, I would never engineer a record on somebody's front porch while they were in their house. But you got to kind of make lemons. So that's what we did. And yeah, so and, you know, a lot of sending stuff and then also like Reed came to the farm and we sat outside in a barn and recorded. And, you know, so same with Lorenzo. So just got to kind of make do with what you have. Mm hmm. Yeah, rolling with it all. Well, anything yeah. else you'd like to leave with our listeners along those lines or, I don't know, just something that stands out to you that they might want to hear? You know, one thing um, I've, I've, thought about, I've thought about, and I don't hear too many people talk about this, but and I think it relates to like the general theme of your show, but maybe it's like a way, another way to articulate it, which is like, I often view music through connecting to four different parts of ourselves, um, through our, our head, uh, the cerebral, our body, the physical, through our heart, the emotional, and through, I guess you could say the soul, like the spiritual Mm -hmm. nature of it. And I feel like different music connects with us on different levels. Like there's certain music, like you know, and and there's definitely tons of sub- subjectivity here, but like, for instance, like a lot of funk music, James Brown, Sly Stone, like that to me, like that's 
predominantly like body music, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you're gonna f- mostly feel that in your body, you know, you don't necessarily put on a James Brown record when you want to connect with something emotionally, you know, you might put it on if you're in a funk, because you just want to like get in your body and dance. But like, mm-hmm. it's not something that necessarily is gonna make you feel emotions in a way that, you know, for me, like a band like the Beatles is like very heart based. And there's, there's a connection there with the, where those like songs really like someone like you. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that really touches someone on an emotional level. And then, you know, jazz music might connect with something on a more um, cerebral level where it's like, you know, that's what they call jazz heady a lot. You know, it's like very much, but it engages our interest. And then, you know, the, as far as like the spiritual, like I think for me and I think it, you guys and in, in, in our community, like, I think that's what you experience at live music a lot where there's that collective sense of sharing together Mm -hmm. and really like being transcended to a different place. And I think like, I know you talk about the Grateful Dead a lot on this podcast and, you know, I I think, and I'm obviously a fan and I think what makes a band like that so special to so many people is I feel like they actually encapsulate all four of those things often Mm -hmm. at the same time where, you know, there's certainly enough of about the music to keep you interested. The songs you know, on an intellectual level, the songs definitely resonate with people emotionally. The music is very danceable. So there's that body connection. And then there's like the collective, um, basically, experience of spiritual transcendence that is often available at shows. So like, to me, I think you guys talk about this on your show, but I think that's just like a way to articulate like why certain music is able to connect on so many levels with people. And, and I gravitate towards the band's that kind of look for to hit people in all areas and I seek to try to make that music myself and uh you know and there's a place for all music that focuses on more narrow areas of that but anyway that's just something I think about sometimes thought I'd share yeah I love that thanks so much for sharing I'm definitely gonna like keep that in mind and really be aware of that when I'm listening to music like is this hitting me where is this hitting me and does it have all of these elements Mm -hmm. yeah and some songs just target certain things you know it's not like you know you don't always get all at the same time but I think Mm -hmm. like our favorite bands like at different times they can trigger all those yeah all those areas yeah so many of them are an emotional roller coaster (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Yep. I know. I know. That's the thing. Like, that's what I love about live music, too. And I guess that can happen by putting on an album. Although, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It happened to me recently with Beyonce's Lemonade. I listened to it with my headphones lying on the boat watching Shooting Stars. And it, like, hit me in all the places. It was such an emotional roller coaster. So it happens. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And with pop music, Mm -hmm. no less. (laughs) <laughs> sure yeah i mean every, everyone's gonna have different things that resonate with them it's not going to be the same for everyone but everyone is going to find those elements still in whatever music it is that connects with them and loves and they love yeah and that's that's how music is such a holistic experience you know it, like with my background in mind body medicine like that's why i feel like especially the experience of live music because it does hit you i mean there's the vibrations of the music there's the emotional aspect there's the collective aspect of people being around all of them it's not just one thing that's being affected in your body being you know it's multiple 
parts. And I mean, this this could be a whole nother hour conversation, but yeah. like how just how healing really should to be most effective, in my opinion, should have all of those aspects because we are an integrated being. You know, we're not just a brain. We're not just a body. We're not just a spirit or a soul. We are mm -hmm. all of them. Totally. So, yeah. 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 Well, anything, any last words, Ezra, before we say goodbye for now? I think uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about, I think, no, I, I think I'm good. This was, this was really fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. And we'll just have to have you back so we can continue the conversation. I know. I have so many yeah. more questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anytime. I would, I would love, I would love to anytime. Well, we'll so, have you back when yeah. you release your solo album. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Great. Well, great work. I've been following and really psyched about all the excellent um, episodes you've been putting out. So keep up the good work and Great to meet you, Tara Lee. Great to meet you, too. And I'll see you uh, this next weekend, Leah. I know. So excited. Yeah. We'll yeah. get to create some magic. Totally. With some music. Okay. All right. Well, we will be right back. And we're back. That was such an interesting and insightful conversation with Ezra. Tara Lee, what was your favorite part of it? I mean, there were so many parts, but I just love how, like, things going wrong or just things that are out of your control and how it does create magic. I thought that was super interesting and like a really cool way to go about creating art. Yeah, I loved that part too. And I'm actually really glad that I asked Ezra that question because I thought that I knew. So my idea of magic and the other was a little bit different than what he described because when I first read his theory around it or description behind the name, I associated it with like the other people in the experience and not so much like the other elements like weather or somebody makes a mistake or something like that. And probably just because that's the lens that I, I look at, especially the live music experience. It's like the relational aspect. And so <laughs> he really was able to open up my idea of the whole magic in the other part and it actually reminds me of what my embodiment and dance teacher calls the mystery. It's like yeah. the things that we don't have control over, like Ezra was saying, like the unpredictable. And as a person who likes to control things probably more than I should, <laughs> <laughs> leaning into those unpredictable and uncontrollable parts was a little bit scary for me. So I've been working with my embodiment teacher for like eight years now. So, and I've been leaning into like how to partner with the mystery as opposed to like being scared of it or afraid of it or like trying to push against it. So that was another thing that it just like made me think about as that magic in the other part. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, at the retreats that I lead too, it's like, there are so many unpredictable things that could happen, especially when they are international retreats that are in like third world countries. There's just so many elements and things that could, could go on. I mean, at one retreat, the like horse, we were going horseback riding and the horses kept on getting pink eye. And so less people were able to go horseback riding. 
But it ended up working out perfectly because everyone got to do something that they wanted to do even more. So it ended up being so beautiful. But it was like, okay, two horses have pink eyes. So two people have to do something different. Oh, four horses have pink eyes. But it turned into this beautiful thing where everybody ended up getting to do what they wanted. And, you know, when she told me I didn't freak out, I was just like, okay, so like this is different than before. And I mean, there's so many things that have happened at retreats. And I'm like, this is different than I thought it was. But it always turned into like amazing, magical, beautiful things. Yeah. And to be able to live life like that, like to remain open to the unpredictability, because of course, life is totally unpredictable. And, you know, if we like get stuck and temper tantrum or something about it and we're like not able to just or to open up to that magic that is available in the mystery of things, it's such a beautiful way to look at life and to lead lead life. And like you said, you know, to incorporate that in the creation of art is beautiful too because it's just a part of our experience. And it's going to be there. So why not? It also, what he was saying also reminded me of uh, the flow theory that Lebo talked about. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like the discipline and then the surrender because it takes surrender to be able to open up to the possibility of that magic to be there. But then also, like Ezra was saying, and I know they practiced a lot, like they put in a lot of discipline into their playing. They would always dress up in the suits, as he said. So it was like, you know, they would come in this like professional kind of air, but then having that like balance of surrender or openness to what what could come. Yeah. And I love too, I feel like his story about creating the band Magic and the Other about how he was like just became dissatisfied with music and the way that he was creating it or relating with it. And instead of like saying, well, this isn't for me anymore, or just being stuck in that dissatisfaction, which I feel like so many people do, it was like, okay, how can I notice this dissatisfaction and and change it, you know, do something about it. And and that was when he realized that he was actually looking outside of himself for this perfect band. And, but then it was like, well, how can I at least try to create it myself? And knowing that, you know, maybe it didn't work, but how can I have courage to be able to take the steps to do that? And I thought that that was really inspirational. Oh, yeah. He is like so brave in so many ways. It sounds like he just is like it when he finds the dissatisfaction, like you said, with something in his life, he's like, well, okay, well, I'm going to like make a new way or (laughs) I'm going to do I'm going to do the I'm going to be the pioneer of this thing or I'm going to take charge of my life and like create it for myself. And I, I was really inspired by that. Yeah, totally. Well, and another thing that, of course, at the end of the podcast, Ezra like throws this bomb down with like (laughs) this this whole theory on music that I feel like we could have gone on and on forever. So I'm really looking forward to having him back to discuss that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But that's something that I want to highlight in the. Did you know? I want to talk a little bit about the research that I've done on live music because I have found the same thing as Ezra said, and then also talk about how that can have implications for health and healing. So Ezra, at the end of our interview, said that he has this way of looking at music in like kind of four different aspects. So the head or cerebrally, 
the heart, emotionally, the body, physically, and the soul, spiritually. And when I did my research, which really focused on eight different people. So the question that I asked was, what is the experience of attending live music events? And that question had never actually been asked before in any research that has been printed or published. So when you're looking at a new question, it's important to, instead of going broad with like thousands of people, to really take a small set of people so that you can get really detailed experiences of theirs. So I focused on eight people and I found three main themes. And one of the themes was that live music is a full body experience, which really points to what Ezra was saying. And in fact, one of my research participants, Ariel, which is a pseudonym, she literally said that for her, music is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And it actually, according to some of the the eight, we, I call them co-researchers, um, sometimes would depend on where they were in the venue as far as like what aspects were being highlighted. So one of the researchers, Jeremiah, said, this is a direct quote from him, when you're sitting in the chairs, you feel almost like a spectator, like a critic or something. For me, it's just really hyper-focusing on what's going on on stage and trying to learn from it and analyze it. So he's referring to the cerebral part. I've been in GA before too, and it's a totally different experience, more of a full body experience because you're just moving around, jumping around, and migrating around. When you're in a seat, you're kind of just sitting there like you, if you were in a lecture and you're not really paying attention to your body, you're just keeping it in your head. But when you're in the mosh pit, it is way more full body, just going crazy, moving around. So then that's affecting the physical. And it's more of a collective type feeling because everyone is in it together, pretty much partying on a crowded dance floor versus all civilized sitting in the seats all calm. So at the end, he also kind of points to the spiritual, which is like, you know, more of a collective experience. And of course, that doesn't have to be everybody's experience. You know, I'm sure that there can be people that are sitting that might also be affected in their body, but that just happened to be his experience. So seated versus standing and how those different aspects and elements are triggered in those different ways. So how that is important for implications for health and healing is that if we are going to look at like a biopsychosocial model of health and healing, which is more holistic than just the biomedical model that we find in our regular doctor's office or when we go to the hospital, which is really focused on, okay, how are you diseased and how can I help you to heal from that? The biopsychosocial model is more holistic and it really looks at how can we support growth and healing and wellness, then we need interventions like live music that affect multiple parts of ourself because that can all work together as opposed to, say, taking a pharmaceutical pill, which is only focused on like just a minute part of a person so that it can affect that, which then, of course, has effects on the whole system because that's just how we are designed as humans. But usually those 
secondary effects are actually even more harmful because they can be negative side effects, which then another medication is layered on top of that, and then another one, and then another one, and then another one. And it's not looking at, in a holistic way, how are we helping a person to heal and to grow? So those approaches are more yoga or movement or music or singing or chanting or drumming, you know, all of the things that we've been really doing since the beginning of time Yeah, <laughs> that we really need to kind of bring our focus back to. Because there's a reason that people have been doing them since the beginning of time. Yes. And even if you watch like a child, you put on music, that child doesn't just sit there and observe. That child is like, up and dancing like crazy. It's natural yeah. to us. So we're going to put some of this into practice for my section. Daily Jam. Okay, so right when this podcast is over, I want you to go to the place where you listen to music, whatever that is, and pick a live show. It doesn't have to be one that you were necessarily at, but just a live show recording. And listen to it and see what happens. Is is your brain being affected? Is it your heart? Is it your spirit? Or is it your is it your body? Like what's going on there? And notice what you naturally do. And then whatever that is, be like cool and kind of like jive with that for a bit. And then see if you what it would be like to have your heart be affected if that's not what is natural for you. And then you kind of like jive with that. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to see like, what if my spirit and like, what would that feel like? And what if my body felt like that? And just like do it one by one until they're all lit up and then see what happens. And we'd love to hear what happens for you and how that goes. Like, what's your natural way of being? And then how did it feel when you kind of tried all the different ones and share that in the Facebook community? We'll have a question for you there and you can answer it. Yeah. So that's the Groove Therapy Podcast community on Facebook. And let us know, be brave if you like are like, gosh, I don't even know how this affects me in my body or affects me spiritually. Like there may be one of those aspects that feels a little foreign to you. And that's awesome because that's how we get to keep these conversations going and help people to really lean into things that might not be their natural way, but are available to them through the experience of music and live music especially. Yeah, for sure. And doing something different than your normal way of being is how you shake things up in your life. So if you are like feeling like you're stuck in a rut or you're kind of in a funk, doing things differently is what's going to change it. So this is a way of kind of shaking things up for you a little bit. Yes. And we are in a point in our like, I don't know, I just feel like that's kind of up in the atmosphere right now of like shaking things up and doing things differently. So it aligns with just what's going on cosmically too. Yes, it's the time to shake <laughs> shit <is>. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tara Lee, we learned so much about Ezra Lip in this podcast, and I am sure that the listeners would like to learn about a little bit more about you and how they can maybe get more of you. Yeah. Do you want more of me, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, if you do, definitely head over to my Instagram. I post a lot on there. It's at Rocking Life with two underscores. Um, and I have some exciting things going on, actually. So right after Fish in Mexico, if you are going to the shows and you're kind of looking for a place where you want to chill and make the re-entry into the real world a little softer, I've rented an amazing property that has a private cenote and a pool and a chef cooking all of our food. And there's like a world famous lagoon on site for snorkeling where you'll see turtles and stingrays and barracudas. Um, And there's a private beach right over there too. It's going to be amazing. And you know how after a four night run of your favorite band, like, and it's over, it's something that only people that have experienced that can completely understand. And so you'll be with those people going through the same thing that we understand. And I'll be doing some exercises with you to make that powerful experience of a Fortnite fish run to last even longer all the positive effects that happen. So that's happening for three nights after the Fish Riviera Maya shows. So if you would like to do that, you can check out the website. It's rockinglife.com slash slow llama. (laughs) And I would love to see you there. And also in April, I have a retreat in Costa Rica. So I'll have more information on that soon. But if you're like, yeah, I want to go to Costa Rica with you, then just head over to my Instagram. It's at Rocking Life with two underscores again. And just send me a DM with the words Costa Rica and I'll hook you up. Sweet. Sounds amazing and very aligned with the groove therapy lifestyle. Absolutely. And so I want to hear more of what you're up to, too. Yeah. I am kind of working on things behind the scenes right now, but I would love to be in touch with you, stay in touch with you, and I'd love for you to head on over to embodiedgroove.com and sign up for my newsletter if you are so inspired. If you do that, I will send you a guided meditation called When the Lights Go Down, which will allow you to be able to connect with the live music feels and all of the different aspects of live music whenever you need to, to fill yourself up and get you closer to that feeling of wholeness and wellness and well-being. So please do that. And once you're on my email list, then I will be able to email you with all of the cool things that I'm doing. I'm working on some really cool Embodied Groove live experiences, but I don't have anything to announce right now. So sign up for my newsletter and you will be the first to know. Woohoo! Sounds exciting. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to follow us as a podcast, you can go to Instagram also while you're doing all the following. And it's Groove Therapy Podcast. And then also on Facebook, we mentioned it before. Um, it's the Groove Therapy Podcast community. And it's on Facebook and it's awesome. And there's a lot of really great conversation going on there. And it kind of helps you to take the things that we're talking about in this podcast and put it into practice into your life in an even bigger and better way. So check that out. Yeah. And you, you can connect with other people that are interested in these topics, which, you know, it's a little subset of the live music fans. You know, there's like live music fans and then there's live music fans that are also really interested in health and wellness and how can we make this experience just more impactful, more powerful, more more intentional. So you can find other people that are interested in that over there too. And also please follow us wherever you get your podcasts. That's really helpful to help other people find out about this podcast. 
And we are a part of Osiris Media, and Osiris Pod has a ton of other really interesting musical podcasts that you can check out at OsirisPod.com. Woohoo! All right, everybody. Well, we love you so much, and I hope that you have the best day ever. Yes, and we'll catch you next time. Okay. Love you. Bye.